Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Michael Posnick and Powerhouse Patty podcast, coming to you live on recording from the Charlottetown waterfront in, uh, I guess this is going live in February, taped in January, and today we are talking about what to look for when you're buying property in Prince Edward Island on a mechanical or a physical level. We've covered the numbers and the stats, and you should know what they paid for it, why they're moving, the motivation behind the vendors. You know, do they have an offer on another house? You should know all the math and the stats when you go to buy a house in PEI, because most people will suffer from shell shock, thinking that they're buying a house for 900000 That's just a super awesome deal, yet they just, you know, the owner just bought it for 400000 six months ago. So be aware of the math. Your buyer's agent should be able to share that with you. The listing agent does not work for you. We've covered that in other episodes. So today what we're talking about is what you can discover about a property by driving by it, either in person or on Google Street View or Bing Maps, and visiting the property in person or via FaceTime, Zoom, Skype, you know, some sort of electronic means. Patty? Welcome back. It's glad to see we've kept you on this long. <laughs> Thank you for having me on, Michael. I'm actually really excited uh, for this podcast because uh, I know this is something that's really important to a lot of our listeners. So. I know. I think we're up to eight listeners now. Cool. So sooner or later, we're going to be in Podcast Hall of Fame with maybe double-digit <laughs> listening. Getting into it. Okay, let's start off with driving by. So when you drive by, if you're going to do it virtually on Google Maps or Bing Maps or whatever you're going to use, there's a number of government sites that will give you aerial photos, which is awesome because you can see the whole property in its complete form, especially if it's acreage. You can also identify wetlands and swamp and uh, encroachments where neighbors have their stuff on your property that would even pertain to little tiny cottage lots. Actually, they're probably more susceptible to encroachments than large acreage. But essentially, use all the electronic data you can find and also drive by the property if you can. So the stats say, I think it was up around 90, maybe even higher than 90% of people looking at properties online will drive by them. So as a seller, it's important that you present your property well, put your garbage cans away and all that sort of stuff. We'll cover that in another episode, what you need to do to appear your house for sale. So... You have the electronic data, you have the in-person data, and the things that I would primarily look for, particularly in the winter. Winter is a great time to sell a property that is mosquito and black fly infested. So if you have a property that's in a problematic area of PEI, and they do exist, then you have to question what is the bug factor in that area. And do you know how you can tell if there's bugs in the area, Patty, short of asking people in the neighborhood? Screened-in porches. Very good. Screened-in rooms. So if you see screened-in rooms, that is not a sign that the area is bug-free. The other things we would look for is swampy areas. Mosquitoes love swampy areas, even swampy areas that are small as an abandoned spare tire or a coffee cup. Stagnant water breeds mosquitoes. In some areas of the island, they are so bad that you can hear them. For the most part, we're pretty good. Uh, the other thing mosquitoes love is they love treat-in 
areas. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because there's a lack of airflow. Right. So they love treating areas. So if you're trying to get rid of mosquitoes, it's best not to be around swap and have some sort of air around you, whether it's a north or south shore or some source of wind, giant fan, because you could always put a giant fan there. The other thing people ask about, I think we've covered bugs. Anything else you want to add to bugs? No, it, it, just with regards to if, and I mean, this would apply anywhere, but mosquitoes tend to live within four, I think five feet is what the information out there says, um, of the ground. So, you know, if if there is an area uh, that has bugs, but if it's a two-story house and you've got decking up on the upper level, it may not be as problematic as if it was on the ground floor. Right. And you can also cut your lawn more often to cut down on mosquitoes. And you can also spray your lawn with chemicals, or some people think this garlic spray seems to work fairly well. The uh, propane tanks, the mosquito magnets, I guess is what you call them, they're great gifts for all your neighbors because they're going to attract the mosquitoes to the mosquito magnets. And some people claim great success with them, although they are a maintenance issue, that they constantly have to be maintained, emptied, cartridges have to be installed, propane tanks have to be topped up. Other things to look for. Other things to look for when I'm going through the house is if I find there's an abundance of fly swatters and a half a dozen cans of off and raid, I know that there's bugs. Other things to look for is a lot of people ask, since we're on an island, about wind. How do you answer that? You look at the trees. So Google Street View is a great uh, tool to use to see are the trees on an angle. It'll let you know which direction the wind typically um, is coming at uh, the property. So the trees are a pretty good indicator if there's trees around. Right. So if they're leaning at a 30 degree, 45 degree angle, you know, there's pretty severe winds in that area. In addition to that, you'll find the tree is sort of growing on one side, Hmm. particularly (laughs) with pine and, and fir. In addition to that, if you're surrounded with a windmill farms, that's a pretty good idea that the high winds exist at that point because they're not going to put windmills in an area where there's no wind. Uh, So wind is a concern. Usually you're going to get higher winds on the North Shore than you are in the South Shore, right? Yeah, I would agree. Wet basements. Wet basements are a huge problem in PEI because of the porous red soil. It's great for growing potatoes because the water travels through it. But having said that, it also does the same thing with basements. The main two things I would look for if I don't want a river or a small swimming pool in my basement is I would stay away from block foundations because unless they're done extremely, extremely well, they will leak. And it's not too often you're going to see a block basement that's been done properly. And if you drive by a property, you had your hand out. That's exactly what I was going to say about driving by the property. What are the telltales that there might be a wet basement, Michael? The outside telltales would be there'd be lots of downspouts that usually extend from the house to stupid factors. What was that one we walked by yesterday? They had a downspout that went across their driveway, along their fence, over to the neighbor's property. So if you see that, chances are, number one, you don't want to be this guy's neighbor because now you're going to have a wet basement. But if you see lots of downspouts, particularly downspouts that run a distance from the house, 10, 15, 20 feet away, you know, that's a problem. The other thing I would look for both externally and internally, probably internally is even better, is sump pumps. 
There was one case in Charlottetown where the woman had a, a river running through her basement, and she was held the record for having the most amount of sump pumps. She had, she had what, seven or nine sump pumps in her yeah, basement? Yeah, I think it was somewhere, I was going to say eight, but yeah, right around there. Right. So you typically, in some areas, like this one, for instance, I mean, there's no real water sources that you see. But there's underground springs that were probably feeding right into her basement. The other thing I would look for, again, particularly in the winter, is the grade or the slope of the surrounding properties. If they all slope towards your house, chances are in the spring your grass is going to be nice and green because you're going to have no shortage of water that's being directed directly at your property. That's why sometimes when you drive into a subdivision, you'll see houses that have been raised by a foot or two because the houses that were built previously had wet basements and they're trying to prevent that by raising the house. Everyone's sump pump is draining into next person's yard all the way down. There was uh, the one street that we, we know of that that was the situation. So something right. else, Google Street View would allow you the opportunity to also check that out before you even get into the house. So, And then other stupid stuff you saw on the same street. Not only was it on a hill, the neighbor at the top of the hill was feeding into the guy below him and so on mm. and so forth down to the end of the road where he had a giant pool in his driveway thanks to his neighbors. But they were also feeding their sump pumps back into their basement. So it just came, it became this circle because the sump pump was not draining onto the street or wherever. It was draining back into their own basement. Mm, but a good point with regards to that, and we could always cover another um, podcast on this, uh, things that you should have on your property. Um, but just know, if you are going to have a sump pump and you don't have a generator and our power goes out, you've got a big problem. So just something to be aware of. Right. So the number one gift for somebody moving to the island, if you want to give them a warming gift, is a generator. Because you may not use it this year, but you will use it at some point. And you want to make sure if it's not one of these ones that's connected to the house that tests every week. Let's see what we're doing for time here. Um, that you, you run it every 30 days. Because when Fiona happened, a lot of people pulled their generators out that hadn't been operating for 8 or 10 years and wondered why they didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Inside... Uh, again, it's always good to have a home inspection done. In some cases, when you're viewing properties, if you want to spend the money, and it's probably not bad advice, you can bring a home inspector with you on the showings. You don't see that happen too often. But I think it's a great idea because a lot of stuff's, you know, a home inspector can go through a house just like we can and within 30 seconds tell you there's some problems. For instance, the house you viewed just a few days ago that had your favorite plumbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Kitec plumbing. Uh, which is something that I know my buyers were not aware of this. Uh, so I've directed them to some sites to research and, and do educate themselves with regards to um, the plumbing issue, which typically, now you're saying it's something from the late 90s. If a home was built, I know up to about 2006, seven uh, is when they stopped. But if you're looking at a home that is around that age, 20 years or so, give or take, you might want to look into uh, the plumbing, what type of plumbing they used. So if you go into a house, the old houses would have had cast iron plumbing, which most of it's been removed. Copper plumbing is probably most popular. And then everyone got into this easy-to-install plastic plumbing. And 
you will typically see three different colors of that red, blue, and orange. Orange is Kitec. Typically, it says right on it, spelled K-I-T-E-C. You can research that. But essentially what happened is the connectors would fall off. Some would argue at certain temperatures, and if you keep it below that temperature, you're okay. But the fact is, if I'm buying a house for $500,000, do I want to buy something that I might have to get down to the frame to replace all the plumbing? Probably not. Especially, sorry, Michael, but especially when, and what people don't realize, it's not just simple plumbing to heaters. Some of the homes have in-floor heating. So this piping is running back and forth through the cement. So that's where it becomes really problematic. Right. And so your whole foundation is shot absolutely. or you have to replace it. So if you replace it, you're not replacing it with in-floor heating. You're replacing it with a heat pump. So now your feet are going to be frozen. When you see the pipe determine, is it Kitec? If it is, you can do your research and decide if you want to run for the hills. If it's blue or red, typically the blue and red would be PEX, and you've got PEX A and B. If I remember correctly, PEX A has a higher water flow, but it was harder to install because you needed special equipment to expand the pipe, whereas PEX B was easier to install, but you had a lower water flow. So you can research all of those, but Patty brings up a good point. If you do have Kitec in a cement floor, that's a recipe for disaster. Other things to look for real quick, because we're up to, and we're using an iPhone to record today, 14 minutes, would be uh, electrical. So my opinion, which may or may not be correct, is if you look at the electrical panel and it's all square D uh, breakers, chances are you're buying a pretty decent house because in my opinion, square D is the best and that's why Home Depot keeps them in a locked cage because they're worth so much. But chances are if they didn't skimp on the electrical panel, they wouldn't have skimped on the rest of the house. If you go into that house and it's all screwing tubey uh, fuses, which you'd probably find from houses prior to 19, what, 70? Yeah, Somewhere around there. Yeah. These were the fuses that people would pull out when they blow and stick a bunch of pennies behind them so they would never blow again. They'd just burn the whole house down. <laughs> that panel would have to be replaced if, if for most insurance companies. Insurance companies insist if the if there is a 60 amp uh, panel as well, that is mandatory. Insurance companies will not insure it. It needs to be 100 amp plus. Right. Oil tanks, uh, you know, we've talked to those to death. The newest standard is a fiberglass tank that's installed inside the house, not outside. That's or what they're Roth looking steel. for. The Roth steel as well. The what? Roth steel tanks as well. Explain. They're the big steel tanks that oh, are square. steel ones. Correct. Yeah, those are big bucks, and you're not going to usually find them unless the house has access problems and they had to bring in two or three of those things through a little tiny access door and join them together, right? Uh, no, those or are... an expensive house. An expensive house. So, no, I... Just so that they don't discard if it's not fiberglass, it must not be good. Right. So stainless steel or fiberglass... Other things to look for in a house? So something that's top of mind for myself, again, something you can, when you're driving by the house, if you notice the flower beds are right up to the siding, and most of our homes on PEI are vinyl, 
you have to wonder, is there wood rot um, on your footings and that around uh, the property? So something when you're viewing the home with your agent, you know, just take a look around and see, because if it is touching, there's a good chance you might have some uh, some issues, some maintenance coming up uh, where you're going to be tearing off the siding and dealing with that. So that's just one point on the outside that I, I would warn people to take a look at. Right. And in closing, we could cover tons of this stuff and maybe we'll do more of these but the age of the house will dictate what maintenance has to be done because typically your your roofing your windows have an age of well they claim 25 years good luck with that 17 to 20 20 and change if you're lucky depending on where you are so those things would have to be replaced. Your floor is going to wear down. What else? Yeah, I think um, I think this is a um, podcast that it's worthwhile. This is part one, I would say, Michael. And then we could always continue because we talked a lot about the mechanics and the outside um, and some of the tools that they can use. But there's so much more inside the home that they should be looking for, be mindful of, um, you know, if just to be a, an educated buyer out there looking looking at homes, and which will also educate sellers to let them know what are people looking for? What should I be aware of if I'm putting my property on the market? Like rodents would be another thing. Correct. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap. I think that's great. Thanks for There's having me on. nothing more to say. Well, maybe we'll change the name of the show and put you on the show on a probationary basis in the future. I really think we should do this in two. I think we should do it. Goodbye.